UFOs, Bigfoot, paranormal input. Go ahead now, get mystical. Mystery and magical. UFOs, not typical. Bigfoot, not typical. You ask me why I'm skeptical. I say questions are questionable. Is the truth alien to you? Alien to get my message through. Aliens might message you. Aliens are sliding through. The wild signal we're plotting to. Algorithms they find is true. Typical. Skeptic. Shut Got no time for no petty turns, pandemic, a pandemic turn, horror still in Amityville, Bayonet in Gettysburg, Mothman, TNT, Factory, Red Eyes, Blue Dog Man, Howling in the Street, I'm typically skeptic of what I see, Voodoo Hoodoo in New Orleans, Thunderbird, Swamp Thing, is it real, I was wondering, typical, skeptic, show, typical, skeptic, show. No problem. This meeting is being recorded. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for joining the Typical Skeptic Podcast. Once again, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple, rate, review, share, subscribe on YouTube, all that. I have with me uh, someone, a really respected person in the paranormal, someone who's been investigating the paranormal for over 30 years. He's been featured in magazines. He has his own e-magazine. Um, I'm, who I'm talking about is Steve Mara. He's one of the UK's most respected researchers when it comes to ufology and the paranormal. And one of the things that I like that he does is he, com- he combines the paranormal and ufology to try to find out the answers that we're all searching for. And I want to welcome to the show, Steve. Thank you for joining me. How are you? Oh, thanks for having me on the show, Robert. Uh, um, I'm very well, thanks. I'm good. I'm sorry about the technical difficulties. Hopefully, this is over. That's over now. But uh, I, I, when we talked before, before, we were talking about how you got into um, the paranormal and ufology. And you said your father was into it. He was. Yeah, he had a. When I was a young lad, um, he had uh, quite a number of books on the subject, and I got into them. I got into reading the. I think the very first book I read was on Danikin's Chariots of the Gods. And then I read, I read a few Brad Steiger books and a number of others. And uh, yeah, I was interested as a, as a, as a young lad. And um, uh, after leaving school, um, you know, I wanted to learn more as much as I possibly could. And, uh, and here I am 40 years later, you know, it's uh, <laughs> still at it, still learning. Now, I know you study ancient sites, too. Like, so I was when I think about ancient sites, it makes me think of like the stories of what Eric Van, da- Van Daniken talked about and the stories that Sitchin and not just Sitchin, but people who other people who translated the Sumerian tablets talk about. And that's the story of the Anunnaki and ancient alien contact. What are your thoughts on all that? Do you think we could have been contacted by another race? I don't really get too much into the ancient uh, astronaut theory. When I investigate ancient sites around the world, I'm looking at geological anomalies which are taking place in the locations of those sites, um, such as, though I hate to say the word portal because I don't I don't like the name, um, but um, if you want the proper professional name, which NASA has given them now, is electron diffusion regions. Um, I I visit those locations to see if I can identify those particular lo- uh, areas where those anomalies are taking place. I'm not experiments, that sort of thing. But it all kind of ties in with the paranormal, the ufological. Um, it kind of all sort of intertwines at that level. So well, why do you think these um, these portals are, well, I can't remember the word you called it, but what, how do you think they're active? Is it electromagnetism that causes a portal to be active? Or what, 
Um, and, and, and also, do you think this ties into the interdimensional theory that these things are obviously they live in some kind of other dimension and from time to time they bleed into our reality? Okay, I'll put it. I'll put it as quickly and as, as straight as I possibly can, Robert, for you, for you, for your viewers and listeners. Um, for many years, there's been a ruse for us to keep our eyes on the skies and to consider the extraterrestrial hypothesis of simply these things are traveling the vast distances of space uh, to come to planet Earth uh, in a very nuts and bolts type craft, which has the capabilities of um, you know, faster than light uh, travel, uh, FLT. But th that's never been the case. It's, it's all not true. None of it's true. Um, and we swallowed that pill uh, and quite hard as well. And um, for many years, we were, you know, we were going down that road. But now we're realising, you know, there's very little evidence to support it. In fact, the phenomena, A, has always been here on Earth. Uh, so you could say it has a terrestrial connection. Um, it seemingly the phenomena is jumping in and out of our reality. Uh, these things are coming through from somewhere else. Um, if it's a multi multi universe, another dimension, a parallel reality, who really knows at this stage? We we haven't got that far. But what where we have got to to is that the phenomena is manifesting um, in key areas around the planet, and they have been doing for quite some time. The US government have been aware, as far as I'm aware, since 1982, that the there are certain locations around the planet, um, geological locations where there are anomalies, where the phenomena manifests, uh, and often, often tracks back to. Um, these locations are also heightened areas of paranormal phenomena takes place there, cryptid incidents, big book, that type of thing, um, and, and many paranormal type, you know, haunting, poltergeist type disturbances, lots of strange, what you might refer to is, is the, is, you know, um, really heightened, strained incidents. Now, um, the research, what we've been gathering over the last 20 years at least, just within that particular area, uh, shows that the UAP, or well, if you want to call it UAP, UFO, UAP phenomena, is uh, not exactly what we thought it was. And um, some of this phenomena is also, um, how can I put it, is uh, just agenda-driven. You know, they're not uh, specifically interested in emotions, human emotions, things like that. So... Um, the science behind it now is on the cusp of changing the direction on the research of ufology. It's literally on its edge, just about to change because the evidence now suggests that these things are coming through, manifesting from key locations, the jumping in and out of our reality, um, sometimes radar invisibility, sometimes not. They have multiple techniques, um, what, what they utilise. And um, it isn't that these things are tracking to Earth. I mean, in fact, considering the amount of surveys that have been taking place around the world and the countries that participated in those surveys, you have to sort of rule now that a UFO is seen every at least 20 seconds around the planet on a given day, considering the amount of worldwide reports. However, 
we have to say some of them have to be, you know, could be misidentifications or hate, you know, just fake hoaxes and things like that. But then we're still being conservative because not everybody is reporting these for this phenomenon. Um, we'd have, a, we'd expect the numbers, a super highway of traffic traveling backwards and forwards to Earth. Problem is on that one, though, Robert, is that we don't have a super highway of traffic here, the traffic passing backwards and forwards from Earth. Yes, we do get some objects in orbit, and yes, they are very nosy, and they like to have a look at our technology and stuff like that, but we don't have a super highway of traffic. So, where are they all coming from? And that led that research down into a different location, such as yes, they're present here on Earth, but where they're coming from. Um, yes, they can travel at tremendous speeds, uh, and the evidence points to that the phenomena seemingly is appearing, uh, has the capabilities of um, just manifesting, just materialising and dematerialising. Uh, where they're going, nobody knows. And where they're coming from, nobody really knows. But it's considered more an interdimensional phenomenon now than it is extraterrestrial. The, actually, the, the whole idea about it being extraterrestrial in origin hasn't come from us. It's come from the alleged incident some people have had encounters with these beings. It's the beings that say, we come from this planet, we come from that planet, you know. And do you think the they're trying to just fool us with that? Do you think they're trying to produce Absolutely, yeah. I think that's, I think, you know, it's just one great big ruse. I, th I, I think the, uh, the considerable amount of deception that this phenomenon presents is, is, is a tremendous amount. Uh, and it's seen within the paranormal realms as well. If anybody's been studying the paranormal out there, they'll also realise how deceptive these, um, you know, communications can be. So the problem for us is that there is no grounding evidence to support anything that is extraterrestrial in origin. Yes, they're coming from somewhere else. Yes, they're possibly interdimensional. Yes, they've always probably been here. They actually might even pre-exist us, you know, before uh, historical documentation. Um, there seems to be countless records from the earliest of writings and scriptures of this phenomenon. So we have to take on board that maybe this has always been around, you know, for as long as we can consider. It didn't just turn up on the scenes in the 1952 flying saucer era. Um, and uh, the more we dig into this, we know that they tend to have their own agenda. They know that it's not all love and light. You know, some people are injured, some people are killed. Um, but they like to sweep those incidents under the rug because it's easier to accept the fact that this is all love and light and they, these are our space brothers and they want us to protect planet Earth and all that sort of thing. Um, the bottom line is, is that we're dealing with a very deceptive phenomena uh, which seems to have the capabilities of just doing what it wants to do. Um, and now we're on the cusp of changing the aspects of research and investigation into the subject of UAP because, because we're finding that there's more evidence in the theoretics of interdimensional travel because what happens is is that when they materialize uh, the phenomenon leaves a footprint in the area not to, up to about 72 hours which is measurable by gravitational distortions um, and that means that when they manifest two things in the same time and space can't exist even if i just draw a hole there's still, still something in that hole, even if it's just gravity and light and all sorts of things. But when they manifest, two things can't exist in the same space and time. So what happens is there's a void, a gravitational anomaly. It's uh, an absence of gravity. And this is why we've had reports in the past from people saying, I saw a UFO close to the ground. I was driving by and my car headlights bent towards the object because that's what gravity does, a gravitational well, a gravitational anomaly. 
because of these objects of manifesting, um, it, it can even light waves kind of can't escape gravity. So is this so I'm sorry, I'm just so interested in this. Is this the physics behind what they're using to materialize? Well, I can't, and it's some things I can't say, and some things I can't. I'm, a num- I'm, a, I'm on a number of think tanks around the world. The, the largest one, though, should say the highest one, is the, the Scientific Coalition of UAP Studies in the US, um, along with Hal Puttoff and Eric Davis, are, you know, associated with that organization. Um, and we are, I, I am privy to information um, from research, uh, some of the stuff that's been deliverable by the UA, UAPX. Um, which are doing some good work, um, and numerous others. And the evidence is all pointing to the opposite the opposite hypothesis that these things are travelling from another planet. Um, and I think there's been a great amount of deception that's involved in having us think that this is the actual case. It's very science fiction, in fact. You know, it's like a science fiction episode. You have Star Trek, you you're trying to think, you're saying, you're looking, so basically you're saying that there's over 2,000 different types of entities which have been reported since 1934, um, claiming to come from all different planets, they're all bipedal, uh, well, 99.9% of them are, um, and, um, you know, they're all doing pretty much the same thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's like an episode of Star Trek. It doesn't sound real. It sounds something which is scripted. And that's exactly what it is. I mean, I think what we're having is, is these experiences with a phenomena that can change its appearance. Um, a, a great example is that for many years, an artificial intelligence computer was tried to be manufactured. The first one was around about 1967. And I believe it was Professor um, um, Jacques Vallée um, who tried to manufacture these computers to try and generate some type of conclusive information. What's it all mean? What is all this phenomena? Um, but it wasn't very achievable in 1967, but more near at the time, a few years ago, there was um, another project which designed an artificial intelligence computer to try and conclude what it all means. And after three years of inputting data into this artificial intelligence computer, um, that means this data was about the paranormal, about hauntings and the things that happen in it during haunting phenomena, things that people have reported, poltergeist disturbances, the infestation, the, 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 uh, the occult aspect, the UFO aspect, the cryptid aspect, you name it, everything went in there to try and conclude what it all was all about. After about three years, it's, you know, after calculating, came back with an answer that it, that it believed all phenomena came from a single source. And the reason why it believed all phenomena came from a single source is because it found the connections between them to be very, very high, uh, like the paranormal linked in with the ufological and many other things. Um, and it also believed that, it also stated that the phenomena may have the capabilities of creating physiological constructs. Now, a physiological construct is something which is physical. You, me, this desk, you know, everything. It's a physiological construct. In other words, it has the capabilities of physically building something which is physical in nature. You know, so when we, when we, are we truly seeing what we're seeing, what we're experiencing when we experience these things? Our perceptions are altered. 
you know, we're, we're completely governed by this phenomena. And we go and talk about these experiences and they're very varied. There's, like I say, over 2,000 different types of entities reported since 1932. Um, are we just dealing with one phenomena that has the capabilities of manipulating of how we perceive it? Um, which seems to be a more calculatable and reasonable answer than to expect that, say, oh, we are actually really are dealing with over 2,000 different types of entities from unknown sources, which all seem to do the same thing. Um, so we're heading down that line of what is the source? What is responsible for creating of all this phenomena, including the cryptids? Because people, you know, there's a, there's a physics, the cryptids is drawn in, is kind of cut in half with the, you real type of experiences with Bigfoot, what people have out in the US, you know, uh, we understand that. Um, and the ones that aren't. I mean, we have reports of Bigfoot in the UK. There's nowhere in the UK for Bigfoot to live, to be honest with you. It's a small, it's a pretty small island. You know, there's no, there's, I don't believe there's enough food source. This thing would be seen very easily. There'd have to be a, a community of them for it to survive. It just, you know, it's just not feasible. But then we not only have those things, but we you know, there's reports of werewolves, dogmen, type things like that. These cryptids are also tied into the phenomena of paranormal and UFOs because cryptid sightings usually proceed on many, many reported incidences of what is referred to as the Oz factor, a sudden silence, complete dead silence just prior to the incident, as if something strangely has changed in that environment just prior to the incident. Um, and of course, what this phenomena does is that it, it seems and seemingly bent on scaring the witnesses after death. But when those occurrences happen and something goes wrong, when the whatever these things are comes in reach of the witnesses, it's as if they don't know what to do. What is the next stage? Well, for any predatory act, any animal would, would be attacked, but they don't. They seemingly are surprised that you've come upon them uh and when you're absolutely scared to death in a ball on the floor screaming they don't attack they seem to just run away so it's all seemingly everything's about the fear you know the, the driving of the fear the gaining of the fear uh fear feeding in a sense of speaking and that's exactly what the poltergeist phenomena does it fear feeds it generates phenomena for you to witness to fear it and to create the the next cycle so there's lots and lots of things and we know also that there's in, infrasonic sounds are used during the, these cryptid incidents and the UFO phenomena. This is why, you know, insects fall silent. Many occasions it goes completely silent prior to a UFO incidents because these infrasonic sound, which is being picked up from the phenomena or generated by the phenomena, and the insects can hear it. We can't, we're very limited, but the insects can hear it and they think it's predatory and they fall silent, you know, and, until the incident's over. So we're finding lots and lots of things now to, to point in the opposite direction of the extraterrestrial hypothesis. So we're going to be dealing with it like that. And once we started dealing with it like that, we started to find things. We started to notice that this type of phenomenon manifests in areas of magnetic anomalies, positive magnetic anomalies. And they're usually about over 250 nanotesla. And these locations are thwart with this type of activity. So what we did is we decided to just put it to the test and go and, and look at the most significant UFO cases in history and documented where those incidents happened. And each and every one of them just kept falling into a positive magnetic, magnetic region. 
Um, and that is too far by, co by coincidence. It has to be a connection. And, but then we also find out those, because there's a positive magnetic region there, those locations are very low in bacteria. So the phenomena seemingly is manifesting into our interlocations on planet Earth where there is low bacteria. In other words, it's safe zones, you know, because I, I believe obviously there is obviously some problem regarding immunity uh, because a simple common cold could, could obviously could maybe damage or kill one of these things. So there's been a big research agenda on their behalf in regarding mucous membranes and, you know, looking at the immunity system on planet Earth. But um, it's it's all seemingly connected from the from the data that we have. I I, I wanted to bring up something. I I had this brilliant researcher on my show. His name's Ryan Musgrave Evans. He's from Australia. He wrote a book on Philip Mantle's flying dispress. Uh, it's called Finding the Crypto Terrestrials, and he based yes. his research on like what Mac Tonys, I don't know if you remember Mac Tonys, what he wrote, and um, a couple other people like Charles Hall on the tall whites. And basically, he's talking about these tall white entities. And he's saying that, that crypto terrestrial means like, you know, that they could possibly be, you know, living here on Earth somewhere, but they have these insane supernatural qualities that they that they then they might have went they might have had the, the ability to travel somewhere else before um and 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 that they they actually wear these suits to keep them immune from our um diseases and stuff but also what was interesting he told me that they uh they uh, that they that they they they're like sexually compatible with us and you hear these stories of like peter Corey from australia there's that book called hair of the alien where he copulated with a female alien and then antonio villas boas 1957 in brazil um what what are your thoughts on this theory and do you think it has any relevance i think yeah i think it's been a long plan i think that's been going on for a long a long a long time right back to biblical days you know the ancient gods and you know and that sort of thing um i think that's been going on for a long long time i think the whole dna manipulation i mean even us just the you know just us ourselves homo sapiens sapiens we 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 are a bit of a chemistry lab as far as i'm concerned we've been put together you know we've been doctored messed with you know and that can only happen scientifically um so yeah things have been going on in the past and uh, we've been manipulated humanity we've manipulated many many times and the further we go back into the past we can find more and more different type of humanoids which which lived there was certainly a lot of changes going on back then but we seem to be the the main governor that's come forward out of the chain of, of many different type of humanoids um but uh, i do believe that yes there is uh, and still is a very prominent program in regarding uh, genetics dna alteration um and uh, and like you said you know the the these other entities the compatibility and, and that sort of thing um yeah i think there's definitely something to it um i mean we we always look we always consider the UAP, you know, we say UFO, what's the first people do is they look up to the sky and they're trying to figure out what's up there and stuff. Um, even the Pentagon, you know, under ATIP came out and said, uh, you know, there was this three, three versions of traversity, you know, the in the air and the water and in, uh, and in space. But uh, one thing they did leave out and they left it out on purpose. And that's not because they didn't know about it. It's because that they didn't think it was manageable to for scientists to understand the physics of it 
but the, there is a fourth one, and that's because this phenomena has the capabilities of traversing through solid matter. This is why we have CCTV or gun camera footage of UFOs entering into water or into the sea, and they don't leave awake because it's like it's, it's not physical in nature. Um, this is why we have the phenomena entering into the ground, into hillsides, into into mountains, into volcanoes. You know, it's you know the, the when we say there's a there's a very strong connection with the phenomena and the geology of Earth more so than what people think. They tend to think it's more the sky, but it in fact has a very strong connection with the Earth. That's interesting. Now, um, you've investigated the Alaska Triangle. That's one of these hot spots. Can you talk about that a little bit? Uh, yes, some of the stuff there is quite interesting. I mean, yes, there are. I mean, what we would do when we go there is uh, for our research would be that we'd, check, we'd be checking into the, uh, the positive magnetic regions. And when you do find those positive magnetic regions and you talk to the people that are living in those locations, they have some stories to tell, absolutely. Um, not you know, not from, from strange creatures and cryptids to poltergeists and haunting phenomena, strange lights, uh, UFOs, you name it, anything goes. Um, and uh, some places are heightened more than others, but uh, overall... It's a huge location. I mean, it's ginormous location. Um, but there are key specific places in those areas where phenomena is absolutely strife. And uh, not only have we had reports of strange sea creatures and lake creatures, um, we've just had everything. It's what we might refer to as the cocktail. It's a bit like the Skinwalker Ranch type stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, and, and, and Skinwalker Ranch, everyone talks about Skinwalker Ranch. You know, the places I know, which are a lot more active than Skinwalker Ranch, I mean, it's, it's certainly had its days. It seems to have subsided considerably now. But, uh, you know, you look at Clearview Ranch in, in Denver, you know, I mean, that was just, you know, the stuff that was going on there supersedes anything at, uh, at Skinwalker. And it's not the only one. I could literally list about 14 active places right at this moment. There's that um, blind frog ranch. I, uh, Brad Olson told me about that blind frog ranch. It has supposedly healing properties in the water. Have you heard of that? Yeah, I know blind frog ranch. Yeah, um, yeah, it does. I mean, but when we're talking about the high strangeness cases, we are talking about the meadows. We're talking about uh, Clearview. We're talking about uh, the, the Bradshaw Ranch. You were talking about all these different places where it's just you start to you after experiencing this phenomenon you start to question your own sanity you start to question is reality real is this yeah. some, something messing with us you know is it one great big game or is it is is the is the reality that we experience governed like a computer program and and, and the the programmers can throw in strange things every now and again I was just going to say that it seems like it, it, the more that you look into this phenomena, it seems like we're in a simulation. And I think people did a study where they, they said the chances of us being in a, in a sim, some kind of simulation is very high. And then also on top of that, it seems like once we figure out this, that we're in a simulation, it seems like we have a cataclysm and it resets and then we're set back to the Stone Age. What are your thoughts yeah. on that? Well, I'm hoping not, because <laughs> we're we're getting close to maybe realizing that there is uh, some type of governance over our reality, 
Uh, we know that through statistical analysis. We know that through what is referred to as multiple serendipities and uh, and uh, ultra ultra strange coincidences and synchronicities. So much so that you know you know that something is that. Years ago, we used to just call it the cosmic jester, but we can't laugh this off anymore because you know what? There is something. There's something which is governing our reality. And we are completely unaware of it. Now, if we're just the pawns in this game, somebody who's who's the source, who's responsible for that? Um, are the are the gods, are the entities, are these beings, whatever we see, the, the ones that are the manipulators of reality, and we're you know we're just part of the program. We don't you know we don't really know because the problem is is that the human the human body and the way we perceive is so limited that we don't really understand and perceive the reality that we actually are living in. In fact, we know that reality is much different than what we even perceive, but we only perceive a certain percentage of it, a tiny, tiny, tiny amount. Uh, and everything else, be it the paranormal, the, the cryptids, the UFOs, are seemingly have a longer or wider bandwidth of uh, of reality within our reality, in a sense of speaking. They, they are more aware than we, even we are so you know because we're so limited we there's much of, i believe there's a lot of things that are around us and we're just not aware of them yeah and, and i've said this on my show before it's like well i think i think we said i said it in multiple shows it's like we only see like 0.110 percent of the electromagnetic light spectrum and the universe is made up of like dark matter as well that we don't see is that all have you all studied that as well yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right, Robert. I mean, the thing is, is that we are finding things out every day now that, and every time we find it out, we find this out, it, it points to us that how we thought we knew the reality we lived in. And in fact, we don't. We're strangers to it because there's so much more that could be in existence in our reality around us all the time, and we would just not be aware of it. You know, it's like the ant, the, the ant and the human situation, isn't it? You know, you you walk past an ant on the floor. I'm sure he's not aware of us, and and how we can manipulate his reality. He would have no idea of even perceiving us. You know, and I think it's a similar sort of thing regarding us and whatever is responsible um, for not only phenomena but for maybe manipulation of reality and consciousness as well. Because you'll notice consciousness is coming up a lot now. And that's because we're realizing that there is a conscious connection. There's a conscious connection between near, almost, as far as I'm aware, almost all phenomena and the, the, the perceivers of it, um, if they're aware of it or not. And um, there's a lot of cohabiting, what I call cohabiting uh, between the observers and the phenomena. So when people experience a, a close encounter of some sort, there's a, there's a combination of things happening there. It's the individual. And it's a phenomena, and they're, they're seemingly engaged in, in, in something, in an incident. And um, it doesn't happen with everybody, but it does happen for some, more so than others. Um, so we do know that there are certain people which are more in tune, you know, and uh, have that intuition of the phenomena uh, than others. You know, it's not everybody seems to have the same things. But then, you know, it's also... People say, well, you shouldn't have to believe in phenomena to witness it. But you know what? Um, that is, in fact, you might have to do. 
you may have to believe in something to witness something. And it sounds ridiculous, but it's the same thing in religious and the cult practices. If you don't believe in the, in the, in the wounds of Christ might appear on you, then they won't appear on you. Um, and if you do strongly believe in that, then you may have uh, or become a sufferer of stigmata, where physical wounds appear on the body through the power of belief. So we do know that physical things can happen through the power of belief. It's no different. And I think in many cases when people say, oh, I don't believe in all that rubbish, I've never seen one. And they'll probably continue not to see one or have those experiences because it's something to do with the reality and mindset and consciousness. And that's what connects us with this, with these varied phenomena. Yeah, that's so interesting. It's like, um, it's like the law of attraction, right? And like how much of uh, what we, we uh, think about and how much of our thoughts create our reality. And that makes me think that's so interesting because like, it makes me think, I mean, how much can we manipulate our reality? Because it seems like, it seems like the universe won't let us manipulate our reality to where we can get the lotto numbers or we can uh, win on a horse race and, you know, we'll be millionaires for some reason, like the universe doesn't let you manipulate your reality in that way, but it will let you manipulate your reality to a certain degree. Right. Like if you think right, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah. I mean, you can't break it. You can bend it in your favor, but you got to know how. There are a number of secret societies which have been going on for thousands and thousands of years since prior to the Egyptians, uh, which have come forward to today in today's society that have the knowledge of manipulation of reality. And that basically means about how to be how to how how to have a successful life, wealth, health, whatever, um, and how to basically work the program. And uh, it's about consciousness, it's about belief, it's about a way of life, um, and, uh, and it's deliverable. And we know that from experiments, because through experiments in parapsychological terms, when we had, we're trying to research about luck, you know, some people are lucky, some people are not lucky, you know. Mm -hmm. And, um, and uh, it turned out the people that weren't lucky is because they thought they were unlucky. <laughs> uh, and the people that were lucky, was because they thought they were lucky. It's as simple as that. And it's demonstrable through the process of conducting tests. And what we found through conducting tests is, is that the people that were thought to be lucky could manipulate reality just a tiny bit, but enough to know calculatable the answer must be that something's been manipulated. And we did this by a simple experiment. It was a, it's a, it's a machine that drops balls in it and uh, they, they have these little uh, pieces of wood and they fall between the wood. Now there's hundreds of these balls that are released. Now normally when nobody's sat there and you release them, they tend to fall in the pyramid shape into these little tracks over and over again. But when we put these people under the test and say, look, we, we want you to try and you know, move, in, move the balls in your favour more to the left, we found that there was statistically a slight difference, that they were able, just by randomly, these balls falling randomly, have the balls fall more to the left. And that's not by chance, uh, because they are manipulating their reality because they think they can manage to do it. And that's what happens when people, people the successful people in life are those that think, they're successful. Are those that that think 
they, they, they assume they've already got what they wanted and therefore it manifests. People refer to it as the universe provides. And it does, you know, um, to the right people under the right mindset. And this is what's been secretly put away in, and hidden in within secret societies. These orders of, of practices where it can be beneficial for you. Um, and it works in a negative way as well, just as people believe that, you know, uh, people have died from being cursed uh, simply because they believed in it. You know, it's if you believe in it, that's where the curses could happen. You know, it's, it's a power-driven phenomenon. So, what about uh, uh, psychokinesis and stuff like that? I, I was going to say, like, I, I'm trying to get my subscribers more interested in um, psi, psi phenomena, because like in all of it, like remote viewing, psychokinesis. Like, I have a remote viewer that comes on my show. She's holding a conference this year where they're doing spoon bending, where I guess everybody, and they're even doing it online, just not in person, where everybody holds a spoon and they yell at their spoon. And if they do it to a certain degree and everybody's doing it at once, the spoons will bend. Have you heard of this? Yeah. And, because you've studied parapsychology. And what are your thoughts? Uh, well, from my thoughts, I mean, the problem is, is about physics is, is that it's a, everything, is div, everything is a division of what we perceive, you know, and if we, everything's solid matter around us, or we perceive it to be solid matter. But uh, we know that, that um, you know, molecular phenomena can take place and manipulate it the power of thought um, there has been some very interesting tests over the over the years about this and we do also know that you know psi phenomena is one of the strongest things connected to the the ufo phenomena in fact there was a, a general once said when he was asked the question you know u.s general about uh, how much do we know about ufo phenomena and his reply was well how much do you know about psi phenomena you know, and that's, a, and that's exactly it, because there's a very, very strong connection between the two. Um, and in fact, it's one of the same thing. We The problem is, is that many years ago, someone somewhere compartmentalized these subjects. They put paranormal over there. They put UFO over there. They put the cryptids over there, the metaphysical stuff and all, and all these different things, spiritual in that corner. And never the twain shall meet. The UFO guys won't deal with the paranormal guys. Paranormal guys weren't dealing with the UFO guys. And over a period of time, this is why we uh, we were trying to make a picture of what the hell this is, what the hell's going on. And we can't make that picture up because it's missing pieces of the puzzle. And those pieces of the puzzle aren't in the subjects of ufology. Those pieces of the puzzle are in the paranormal. I mean, the parapsychological, the metaphysical, the supernatural, the spiritual. This is where the other bits are. And when you start to take those, what you've got to do is you've got to collapse all those walls. You've got to, you know, decompound, decompound, mentalize it. You've got to do the opposite. But someone sometimes, they, they compartmentalize these and they, they didn't want these subjects to meet. Why is a big question. Uh, and now we're bringing these things together. We, what we do is we tear all the walls down, we throw it all in one big pot, and we call it phenomenology. And then we can look and say, well, hang on a second. The paralysis during alien abduction phenomena and the paralysis during bedroom visitations from black shadows in the paranormal are the one of the same. They are. You know, they are the same. There's no difference. And that is the biggest giveaway. And not many people know about this because we don't talk about it very often. On a poltergeist infestation that took place about nine years ago, there was a, an apportation of a mug happened. And um, 
it was analysed. That mug was taken away and, that, and we analysed it under a special microscope at a university called atomic microscopy. And three, three different types of, of, of scans were taken. In other words, it's crushed up and it's locked under the microscope. Now we do have a normal mug from a set because it was exactly the same set of four. So we had the apported mug and we had the normal mug and we looked at them both. And you know what? The apported mug was nothing like the, 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 the normal mug under the, uh, under the analysis. It was nothing alike. The diathermic reaction that had taken place in the apported mug was incredible. It's so much so that you could even argue, is it even the same mugger left? Now, we'd seen this before somewhere, and I'll tell you where we saw it. There was a UFO incident that took place where a, suddenly a UFO was suddenly to, to manifest close to the ground, and it affected the plants on the ground. And later, some science guys turned up and took samples of the plants. It was... It's known as biological plant rototromology, and they conducted analysis on the plants, and they put a nice report together. And on that report, it showed a diathermic reaction had taken place in the plants because it was in the same location as the manifestation of the UFO. Now, when you put them both side to side, the, the, the analysis of the apported mug and the analysis of the, the plants were affected by you know, this UFO and it suddenly appeared close to the ground, the diathermic reactions matched, which indicates that the sudden appearance of a UFO or the sudden appearance of a mug are utilising the very same physics. It's the same physics that are involved for the manifestation of a UFO, for the manifestation of a mug in an apportation case. It's the same physics that are involved. Again, uh, what, what, do you, I, what do you call it, a mug? I, 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 I've never, what's that terminology? A mug, uh, like a cup. Yeah? Oh, a, a, cup. Oh, a cup, you mean, a, a cup. Okay, I, I, I guess you what you're saying. Yeah, okay, sorry. Yeah, so so we had a large coffee mug, you know, and it was, that was the airport. And it was that, I had the diathermic reaction in it which was exactly the same as the plant's uh, diathermic reaction that happened to them. So, you know, we have to say, well, you know what? This, this phenomenon, when it manifests, seems to be seemingly using the same physics. So, again, more connections between the paranormal and ufological. In fact, the more you go on about this, it's, it really is not much different. You know, I mean, uh, they are the same phenomena. They're just the very different things that happen. But uh, it indicates that there could be a singular source and it seems to play out in normal, in different ways, be it UFOs, be it cryptids, be it paranormal, be it some strange other experience. Um, but there is connections with them all. And that's what makes it very interesting. I have a question. The, the, the alien mummies of Peru, like that's like that's maybe one of our only um uh evidence actual like we i mean we've never got a corpse of a bigfoot we've never got a corpse of a dog man we've never got a a corpse of a demon or, or an alien or a gray i mean there have been things in the past i said but we do have the nazca alien mummies or the, the mummies of peru um you studied those what were your findings are that and are they not definitely not human they're definitely they're all fake <laughs> they're all fake um the uh, you're talking about Maria with a three-fingered mummy, um, had been um, put together by uh, taxidermists, two taxidermists. So they're um, fake? 
They are absolutely 100% fake. Oh, yeah. man. Um, I had these conversations. I walked away from that case many, you know, quite a number of years ago and moved on to other cases. Our job is when we call, we, when we get called in, we, we you know, we, we look for evidence and we were called in. But unfortunately, they called in the wrong people and we called in us and we called it as we are. We called it as it was. And the Waqueros, which are grave diggers, they, they threatened our lives. They said they were going to kill us. You know, so we hotelled it out of Peru. But um, bottom line is, is that the um, they were manufactured. The small ones are just dummies and nothing. You know, they're just created from animal bones and things. Um, but uh, there was two bodies. There was Wakita, which was a small child, and there was Maria, um, which was the, the main one that you see with three fingers. Um, when we took analysis from them and that it looked at in Sri Lanka, um, we found anomalies and we thought that anomalies was something quite profound at first because we can't understand its DNA. And of course people came out and went, Oh, well, it's, you know, it's got strange DNA. It must be alien. Da, 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 da. It wasn't, it was basically because we took a sample from the fingers and the long fingers. So we took a sample from here and we took a sample from the tip. Turned out there's two different forms of DNA there. And I'll tell you the reasons why is because the top part of the finger was from one body and the bottom part from the finger was from another body. And as they taxidermic oh, wow. used different bones from different bodies to make the fingers up, there was a difference in the DNA between them. And of course, we called it. Not many people wanted to hear it, though. I mean, even now, I still get the odd, oh, no, it's rubbish, the real, and da, da, da. And I usually just shake my head because, you know what, we did the research. We, 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 were, we went all around the world. And the good thing is, is that you don't, you know, we we said to people, don't listen to us. You don't have to. Forget it. Let's, let's look at the guys, look at the best professionals in the world. And we have three documents. And we worked with uh, the, the professors of the anthropological department in Paris University, the anthropological department in Moscow State University, and one in Lima, Peru. And all three documents said exactly the same thing that the that maria was uh, manipulated significantly uh, and manufactured and that was covered up the markings of manufacture covered up by this white powder which would be applied purposely to it um to cover up the mark the marks of you know of, of, of mutilation so um and we we figured that out um we had the documentation to figure it out but you know what the, the world likes a good story yeah. you know and you know i get it i understand people you know if you want to believe it that's fine um but we we know we know we know the truth so but uh, you know what i would love it i'd love them to be something i really really would i would you know i mean i'm a guy that's going to travel all the way around the world on my own expense just to try i really wanted that yeah, and but let me ask you this. What are your thoughts on the elongated skulls found in, like, Paracas and the uh, also Lloyd Pye when he had the starch out skull? So there's two different other – are those all real? Well, this, I mean, Lloyd was a very good friend of mine before he passed away, and we were very close. And though that there was always arguments to support, you know, that it was unusual, the skull, the starch out skull that Lloyd had. And um, but then you know there was always a scientist always arguing that it was some type of deformation through, you know, which can cause the, uh, the 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 head to grow in a certain way. However, there's better evidence than that now. And like you said, the Paracas scores. Again, a good friend of mine, Brian Forster, seems to be the main guy who's done the research. And I, 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 
I've met up with him and been with him. I've talked with him about this stuff. And he's done some fantastic, absolutely fantastic work because the Paraka skulls are real. Now, here's the, here's the punchline. They're not, it's not through the process of boarding and reshaping the skull. They are born like that. They have a un, very unusual ridge on the head. They don't have the futures on the top and it's very elongated. And how we know that is because the positioning of the head and the neck. Now on the Paraka skull, because it's so long with the skull, that the actual neck bone position is, is set back furthermore to get the best balance. So in other words, they're actually born like that. Uh, and that is, a, that is something that is not a deformed it, it, it is basically that because they were born with those type of long heads, that the neck had to change to support the length of the head. And that's why the neck bone is in a different position than normal humans. And this is what was found. Uh, there actually has been now a full skeleton of a Paracus uh, being been found. Uh, but the thing is, you know, this is a society, a civilian, uh, you know, a, a, it's, it's a whole civilization that's seemingly been wiped from history. And, uh, and maybe those were the ones that really were, were strange from somewhere else, I don't know. Um, but they had knowledge, and that knowledge might have been how the hell they made the things they made, you know, the structures, the walls, the buildings, and that the teachings that they may have had and passed around the planet. They're seemingly a civilization has been purposefully wiped from history, and that's what's very, very intriguing. That is, that is. And then my last question for you I have is about the... Uh... The cattle mutilations. I wanted to touch on that with you. I mean, you get them in your country, right? We get them here. Do you think that is government, or do you think that is some the the phenomena acting like I don't want to say extraterrestrials because we know they're they're probably not extraterrestrials, but like, do you do you think this is the phenomena acting like in some way, or what are your thoughts on the cattle? Um, I actually do. Yeah, I mean, uh, the reason being is that I conducted research along with my colleague Barry Fitzgerald. Many people know Barry Fitzgerald from Ghost Hunters International. I've had him on my show. Yeah, yeah, you know Barry. Well, we, we, we're a team. We work together all the time, and um, and we realise that that we have documentation, historical documentation of, of the cattle mutilation and other animals actually. Um, of this phenomenon dating back hundreds of years ago, long before we even had the technology to do it. So that argument's out straight out. Is it? Is it us? Well, maybe some of it is now, but you know what? Fundamentally, no. There's a phenomenon at play here. I mean, when you're talking a, a full-size cow, you know, when you're talking, we're dealing with these cattle. You're talking ten to fourteen gallons of blood disappearing like that. No trace, not a single drop, nothing. You're talking. Uh, of precision, precision work, medical work being carried out under under weird and unusual circumstances. Now we know that these cattle, a lot of them, are being dropped from height. Now we know they have impact wounds; they're being dropped. In fact, so we talked with one guy who was a farmer, and uh, he had two cattle which were mutilated and were found in trees. You know, because whatever it was, it was really <laughs> dropped. And they were in trees, <laughs> and uh, you know this phenomenon is still going on. I mean, in France, I've got a spate of it happening in in regards horses. You know, um, over the last couple of years. Um, but what we realised very quickly is that some of the work that Barry and his wife had done, Donna, which was exceptional, 
was regarding the, the study of mucous membranes. Now, what we realize is that uh, these animals, when it happens to them, they are awake and they are alive. Oh, they, man, that's horrible. And, and it's done purposely for that because when the animal experiences significant pain and stress and fear, it causes a hyper, hyper induction, uh, a production of uh, cortisone and adrenaline. And that rushes to the nearest soft-tissued areas of the body where it's gathered in mucous membrane. And it's the mucous membrane that deals with immunity. And we have a phenomenon that's removing all the soft tissue, the eye, around the mouth, the udders, the, the, the anal, they're all soft tissue areas, not hard tissue, all soft tissue areas, and all the blood. I think what this phenomenon is doing and uh, just as Barry said, is that they, they are trying to deal with something regarding the study of immunity. And this is why that they, there's so much adrenaline and cortisone pushed into those areas. Your immune system goes hyperproductive. And at the time that these incidents are happening, these, you know, they, this, this is what's being taken from these animals. And I don't think it's by chance. I think it's something to do with the study of immunity. Now, we have to question, when we talk about these beings, how much are they actually in our environment? Not very often. We hear people are having experiences, encounters, might see them on the road, but they're always taken back to their craft. You know, when they might find them in the bedroom, but they're always taken back to their craft. You know, they don't seem to be in our environment for very long, and maybe that might be the reason so, because there is a fear about, you know, our general immunity, you know, or their immunity. Um, the worry is, is that when, you know, you think that, with their technology and advancements, they would have resolved that now. But if they haven't, um, and they do soon, then he has to question them, you know, what <laughs> what type of experiences are people going to have then? Are they going to be more? You know, if that's the case, and this phenomenon doesn't have a worry about immunity, who knows? But I think it's something to tie in with that. And if, I believe it is, though that we can create that now, I'm sure, but um, I think that we're dealing with a phenomena. I, I talked with a, a gentleman who was from India, and he said his great-grandfather in India, you know, and this must have been, what, the 1920s, would, as a child, would be sent out to bring the, 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 the cows in and the, the chickens in because when the lights came down from the mountains, they rushed them out to get the livestock in because they'd be found mutilated or whatever, be found killed, muted. And... Um, as a child, 1920s. What is that? That's got to be the phenomena. And that was in India. Wow, I didn't realize it went back that far. That's amazing. That's amazing information. Like, and, and so I, I think we can take out the, the fact that this is the government. Like, I, I don't think the government, I, I mean, I, I, John Keel said one time, it was on Art Bell, and he said, the, on Art Bell show that uh, some cattle farmers sued the government one time and they wrote a book called Atomic Holocaust. Like, I, I, I never heard of this. And like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you think it's more, it's the phenomena for sure and it has nothing to do with the government? Yeah, because what the argument was is that, you know, these cattle are out on the plains of Colorado and other places and they've done a lot of bomb tests over the years, atomic bomb tests. And that filters down to the ground and into the ground. And this is where grass grows and the cows eat them. And they're out in that conditions. 
And the idea was, is the, the theory was, you that's the government were responsible for doing this because they are finding the effects on different livestock from different areas to see over the years, has there been some type of fallout? Has there been some evidence that, you know, radiation, you know, problems over vast areas because it's the cattle that are out in the fields 24 seven. Um, but it doesn't wash from it. It doesn't, no, because it precedes, the phenomena precedes this. It precedes us having that even our technology to even, to fly. I mean, you know, you, all you got to do, if you go to Dublin, just in Ireland, Dublin, and you go to the, uh, you know, the, 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 the main government building in Dublin, there's historical documentation there. A historical documentation talks about mutilated animals. It's 400, 500, 600 years ago. Farmers trying to battle off the phenomena. And do you know what they did? Because they thought the phenomena evades iron, does not like iron. This is why yes, they put Barry iron. And, Barry and Brian said that when I had them on my show about the deceptions of gods and men, they're both, and they were saying about the iron that they to wear, to wear iron for, to, to stop abductions, right? It does, because I was, uh, I had a, a conversation with uh, the Foundation of Research of Extraterrestrial, Inter uh, Extraterrestrial Encounters, which is free. It was done by uh, uh, um, by the uh, the astronaut Edgar. Uh, um, can't remember his name now. But I talked with Mary Waddle about this because there does seem a significant suppression of incidents taking place with people having those type of experiences if they're wearing iron. If they're wearing iron, if it's close by, the phenomenon doesn't seemingly like it. We all, we all, you know, we go through life not even thinking about this. Why do people put lucky horseshoes up? Well, it's not because it's lucky. It's because it's made of iron. It wards away the nasty things, including the night phenomena, night, you know, night things, demons, uh, bad dreams, night terrors, paranormal incidents. In medieval days, they hammered iron nails around beds. Stop being invaded by night terrors you know the you know, when you go past churches and things and we think to ourselves why is there metal a raw iron sorry raw iron metal gates and raw iron fences between the graveyard and the church because it's a separation of the realms you know, it's the same thing in Middle East. They use, you know, um, different types of um, uh, of rocks, hematite, which is ninety odd percent iron. You know, uh, it does work. It's seemingly the phenomenon doesn't has an evasion to iron, and it also has an evasion to UV, ultraviolet light. So, we've learned a couple of things over the years of doing this type of research. And Brian and Barry are right, absolutely correct. I mean, I can confirm that. And uh, we've all worked on the parameters of this. I've resolved haunting, haunting phenomena without even going there. I've just said, look, first stage, you've got stuff going on. Buy some small UV bulbs, put them around in locations where activities happen, get some iron in the house. Give me a ring back in a month if there's any difference. And you know what? People around me up and said, you know what? I've not had anything since. Wow. I've not even had to go to the location. Uh, and that tells me, if I could do that, without even going, and I've done this several, several times, tells me something, there's something in it. I, I hope when people see this and like this helps them out because, you know, this is like, not a lot of people know about this. I think this is like groundbreaking. How do people use the UV? You just get UV bulbs, I guess? 
yeah, you just get UV bulbs. I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're not bright at all at night. You can hardly see them because they're UV. But you just you just screw them into your normal, your, your small small lamps, and you just switch it on, and you just leave it. It's you know, the, if it's negative type phenomena, it's going to evade ultraviolet light. It's going to evade iron, you know, raw iron. I'm not talking about you know your cheap nasty. I'm talking about raw iron now raw iron's not easy to get hold of why is it so hard to get hold of raw iron it should be everywhere believe it or not it's not so easy um but you can't find it and if you can get all the vine and have, horseshoes are great if anybody's got horseshoes be fantastic but uh, if you can put these around in the environment it wards away negative phenomena it seemingly works i would never believe it if i haven't seen the statistics and done it myself but it does seem to work Wow. Wow. This, this was amazing. I, I, I don't have any other questions. If you could tell her, but thank you. First of all, I appreciate it. And second of all, if you could tell people where to find your uh, books, where to find your website and all that stuff. And, and again, thank you. This was amazing. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, you can find me, we have an awakenings expo. I'm a, uh, I'm the owner of the, uh, your awakenings expo. You can see it on the shirt here. <laughs> and um, we have Europe's largest, uh, expo come together um, a couple of times a year where we bring people and scientists and researchers from all over the world together for these conferences um, and you can find details there's an awakenings um, UFO conference um, Facebook page uh, group so if you need details we have a new event coming up actually in October we have Richard Doty Mike Barra and Whitney Strieber and myself will be lecturing there um, and uh, that's on the 16th of October, so people can find more about that. It's in the UK, but uh, we do we do do this on a regular basis. Um, but phenomenamagazine.co.uk is the magazine. It's the largest e-zine in the world. It's in 12 languages, four, uh, sorry, four languages, 12 countries. Um, and it, but the, good, the thing is, it's so popular, it's because it's free. You know, it's there every month to download for free. And all the back issues are there. All 159 of them, actually, are all on there to download for people to, to, to read. Um, it's a matter of distribution of information. Uh, and we do that every calendar month, at the end of every calendar month. So phenomenamagazine.co.uk, you can find out. I own that one. You can find out about the magazine and get it there. Uh, otherwise, you can go to my personal website, which is stevemiller.com, and you find details about my books and my work and that sort of thing there. Um, I have a number of you, how you have um, channels on YouTube, which are Zohar channels, Zohar from Zohar Entertainment Group, which I'm part of. Um, UA, UAMN TV is uh, one of basically on the UFO subject. We have Zohar, um, uh, Ancient Secret Discoveries. We 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 categorize you, them. Do, you do. I love that channel. I I, I did. They do. Uh, you guys show a lot from the conferences, right? I, you you you. I, I that ancient secret discoveries channel is amazing. Like I, you guys always show speakers from conferences on there, right? Well, we do because we deal with people who are running conferences all over the world, but want to get their material out. So we are the the leading guys on on youtube with those channels we have about 12 channels now coast to coast am is is also one that we run um we also run eric von daniken's um um facebook um uh, facebook page and youtube <laughs> as well so we, we we have a lot of different channels 
send me uh, by email, uh, send me the ones you want me to put in the video description, because I'm going to upload this video today, probably after I have another podcast at 3 p.m. my time. And then after that, I'll upload it. But uh, send me your links and I'll put them in the description of the video, because I think people will find that interesting. Absolutely. Yeah. And also we uh, we launched uh, the most um, significant UFO investigators training course that's ever been done. Um, it's compiled by at least 60 different academics from around the world. But what we actually have done here is that we've broken down all the compartmentalization uh, and it's teaching people how to really investigate the phenomena for what it is. Um, it's, it's for the 21st century ufologist. So it's a little bit different, but um, details on our, all our courses are available on the Phenomenon Magazine website anyway, uh, phenomenonmagazine.co.uk. So um, but I would say most of the time people just really need Google Steve Merrow because I'm, I'm so involved in so many different things uh, on a regular basis with a lot of television shows and, and radio and things, but, and research, investigation, and traveling around doing research and stuff and we're still gathering data you know part of the big project which is known as project doorway uh, i work with barry and brian on that and uh, we are getting some very very interesting things and in fact throughout over the next say six to eight months we're going to be releasing or barry is going to be releasing some very very interesting um stuff that we've managed to get and he's had it analyzed and we had some research done and um, that's going to be really helpful in regarding the connection between our ancient past and the current UFO or UAP phenomenon, if you want to call it that. Yeah, and I'm so glad I found out that you're friends with, uh, that you re- do research and you're friends with Brian and Barry because I loved when I had them on my show too. Like they were just as informative, informative as you. And I, I, I'll just say you guys all do amazing research. And, uh, you know, I, I, I couldn't thank you more. I, I, this is so interesting. I'm going to go check out your magazine at phenomena.co.uk because I'd love to see those back, episode, back issues of that magazine. And, uh, all there to download for free. <laughs> yeah, and people can donate if they want to. Do you have a donate link too? Well, we don't. We don't really. I mean, we don't get into people can do if you want. You know, it's not about the money for us. It's about distribution of information because you know what? That's what breaks down the barriers. That's what, you know, we can keep in touch around the world with different people about what what's going on in their countries. It's really important that we, you know, we keep focused on that, and uh, we wanted to make sure that this is something that we're going to be doing every single month, every single year, uh, and keep it going because there's so many people, you know, so many people, 1.8 million people now. You know, you know just, I, I, I honestly like I, I was I, I listen to like big podcasts like Joe Rogan and he's like always trying to like recently he's been trying to say that like a lot of these UAPs are like government drones and stuff like that. I couldn't yeah. disagree more because like, because I, I think some of them we could have we could have some technology. I understand that. I'm not I'm not saying that we don't. There could even be a secret space program. But the thing is, though, is that it's like you said, this phenomena has been around since. This, I mean, I talked to Philip Mantle on his book, UK Land, UFO Landings UK, and there's cases back to the 1700s, and, and it goes way back. So what I'm thinking is like, okay, we could have some technology, but this phenomenon has been around forever, and it's just like, and it can't be identified, right, you know? No, I mean, what we're seeing today is demonstratable. What's interesting is that, you know, even in, in biblical times, we had very good reports of some of these phenomena, and they moved and acted in the way as they do today. 
that's what intrigues me is that the, the phenomenon that we currently see today hasn't changed over since biblical days. You know, that's that's what intrigues me. But then it does it seem to be a pattern. It changes its face, though, right? It changes its face. It, it, it shows changes. itself to us in a different way. It does. The phenomenon stays the same, but the mask is forever changing. And this is what we, I'm sure, if you give it over the next 10, 15, 20 years at most, that this phenomenon is going to again re-emerge itself into something different maybe it won't be the grades maybe something else you know and uh, and this is what seemingly happened from the from the days of strange creatures to goblins to space brothers you know to reptilians to grays and uh, you know i mean i think we are dealing with a phenomenon which has perception manipulation uh, changing its face all the time uh, and really are untrustworthy as far as i'm concerned but and at the end of the day, it is a phenomenon. We do need to try and find out, you know, more about how to interact with this. But first, we've got to think where are they coming from and how are they doing it? And I think these are the two biggest things we have to question first. And we are getting there. We're finding actually scientific evidence now of something happening, how they're managing to come in and out of our, our dimension, our reality. And, uh, and these little clues will lead to studies. And if you look at what's going on, in this in the pentagon and look what subjects they're covering on the studies covering wormhole technology portal technology yeah. you know multiple dimension why are they doing that is because they know there's something there and that's it that's we're living this time robert we're we're, we're fortunate you know we're living in, in the years to come we can go back and say do you know what we lived through that time of change and all this going on yeah, it's the most exciting time, right? I think it really is. I think it's the most exciting time to be involved in this phenomena because I think maybe for once we're going to finally start getting some answers, right? Maybe. Yeah, we are slowly, but we will get them. We are going to get them. Wow. Well, that, thank you so much again. And it was really nice to meet you. And uh, I'm sorry we had technical issues at the beginning. And uh, yeah, th- thank oh, you. No. It was amazing. You're welcome, Robert, and thanks for having me on the show, and we'll keep in touch. All right. Have a good day. Bye.